As a listener of the Shift Your Consciousness podcast presented by Marcus White and Jordan Briggs, we would like you to understand that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Any changes to your supplementation, nutrition or lifestyle should only be done after consulting with a medical professional. Welcome to the Shift Your Consciousness podcast. My name is Marcus White. And my name is Jordan Briggs. We help people overcome a range of chronic and acute health issues and empower people to live a healthy, fulfilling life. Our mission in this podcast is to bring oppressed and current relevant information from all realms of health that you most likely don't know to empower new possibilities in your health journey. We want to help free your mind of the indoctrination of the mainstream medical system, media and societal dogma that disempowers your ability to heal, grow and live a connected life. If you're someone who is feeling trapped in your journey, not getting answers, but also equally fascinated in learning how to address the root cause to your health issues and is also open-minded to all mediums of health, this podcast is for you. So come join us to shift your consciousness. And we are live. So... Today, Jordan and I, we're going to keep it pretty simple in our terms because Jordy's a little bit under the weather, aren't you, mate? <laughs> He's struggling a little bit. Yeah, I'm dealing with a bit of a cold at the moment, but uh, we, uh, we push on. Um, so, we're going to be talking just around gut health. Yeah. We're going to be talking around specifically leaky gut and the microbiome and just certain types of foods that we want to be eating to mm. optimise optimize our gut health yeah um, maybe even some supplements as well potentially. yeah possibly yeah. and then even maybe just some you know extenuating circumstances that people don't think about when they hear general information about gut health yeah so what we'll do is we'll start off with leaky gut and i think this is a really interesting one because i reckon you'd be the same George. i work with a lot of ex plant-based eaters yes because and we'll, we'll get into this, is they struggle to get a lot of collagen-rich foods into their diet. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think you would notice that as well. And oh, I, yeah, absolutely. And the degradation of their gut lining is very obvious. You know, they start to get the same sort of um, symptoms that you'll generally get with with leaky gut, like, and two of the main ones I see is, like, really sensitive to dairy and really sensitive to gluten. Yes. And that's sort of a big telltale sign. I'll say, oh, when did this start? And they'll be like, oh, so, you know, I never used to be like this. And then mm-hmm. it's just come on in the last couple of years, you know. Yeah, so, like, yeah. and it sort of tells me that there's, there's you know, there's some sort of um, hyperpermeability, which is leaky gut, or some, some more severe um, damage to the gut lining. And what I want to touch on, which I talked about, which helps us um, to build a strong gut lining to stop leaky gut is collagen-rich foods, and collagen-rich foods are foods that are rich in amino acids. Mm. Yep, absolutely, and and obviously getting the uh, the, other, the other building blocks as well. Like obviously, we've got collagen-rich foods, like obviously you know bone broths and gelatin and collagen, like actual actual collagen um but then you've you know you've also even got animal proteins and the meats and slow cooked meats and all that sort of stuff yeah. as well. and that's where we're going to get the amino acids that build mm. up collagen yeah that's right yeah so yeah it's 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 an interesting one that you say with the vegan one because it's it's not only are they not getting the cofactors to help build their gut lining up and we know that obviously life stresses these days will degrade Hmm. The gut, whether it's you're training a lot or whether it's that you're highly stressed 
all those things are going to play a role in breaking down the gut. But the other thing that you probably wouldn't, you know, some people don't think about is the amount of glyphosate that they're getting. Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of them aren't eating organic. So yep. they're basing all their diet around really <laughs> foods that are just sprayed in glyphosate, which we know isn't good for the gut lining either. Yeah, 100%. The other yeah. one we could mention that we'll get into a little bit deeper is just the amount of lectins you have to eat to get your protein intake. Oh, true. That's another one yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I actually just had a meeting with a client who's sort of been plant-based for a, you know, plant-based but started to have fish and chicken. Yeah. And I was I was sort of explaining it to her. I'm like, well, what have you got to eat to, to make up for the fact that you're not eating animal protein? And it's always like lentils, legumes, nuts, seeds, like all this sort of stuff that they're trying to eat a lot of. I'm like, they're sometimes foods and now they've become like, every day, maybe twice a day foods for you, and they are extremely aggravating on the gut. Yeah, exactly. The amount of anti-nutrients. You know, they've even got things like oxalic acid as well, oxalates, yep. and we know that, that that will degrade and break down the gut as well to some degree. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's crazy. But one of the big things, and Jordan and I, I'm sure we do things very similar, is I'm very big on having my clients start eating slow-cooked meats straight away because the slow-cooked meats give us the building blocks to make collagen, as I um, said earlier. So some of those amino acids might be glycine, proline, hydroxyproline, glutamine, um, just to name a few. And these are so important for us to start to rebuild um, our gut lining once it's become leaky. So the reason slow-cooked meats are so good is because generally when you've got some sort of gut damage, you're going to have some sort of digestive issues as well. Now, we won't go too deep into it, but when we have slow-cooked meats, slow-cooked meats have already been pre-digested for us in the cooking process. So the uptake and the ease that we're able to digest these foods makes it a lot easy, uh, easy for us and much more efficient for us to uptake those amino acids. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the other things that I, I think is a great addition into slow-cooked meat is when you cook the meat on the bone because mm-hmm. now they're also getting all the, the, the other amino acids but also even other things like um, glucosylamine, mm-hmm. uh, which is great for the gut as well, and you've got chondroitin and some of those things as well that come from bones as well, which is also really good for building up, you know, collagen and all those things as well. So, yeah, I think you're getting – a pretty complete thing from there. Yeah. And then the other one we would probably add into that, which is a staple for me as well, is bone broth. And, you know, as Geordie just talked about with the bones, there's a reason why ancient cultures had the wisdom to be able to create soups out of bones. You know what I mean? Somehow they had an instinctive knowledge that the bones had nutrients that we needed, but it's been a bit of a lost art in Western culture. Oh, nose to tail eating was, if you go back day dot, was always the thing. Like if you go back to the, well, the way a lot of the tribes in Africa and stuff that are still living off the land, mm. they don't waste a single part of the animal. Well, you wouldn't yeah. if you were starving, would you? No, like, well, that's true. <laughs> when yeah. I, you know, when I, I don't know how you go about this. Like I talk to people about how to help your kid eat better. Yeah. I'm like, well, make him go hungry. Like, let's see how he goes if he's bloody hungry. He won't, or she, I should say, but <laughs> yeah. Like the thing is, as I see with a lot of parents, like, oh, they didn't eat their their meat or their veg or their rice or whatever tonight. I'm like, 
oh, well, don't go offering them bloody ice cream then. Don't yeah. go offering them lollies. Like, exactly. You know, you're not getting, they know they're going to get it. Mm. Exactly right. They yeah. give them high palatable foods. But if you go into people that are closer to nature, they don't have that option. So no. you think they're saying no to the tail? You think they're saying no to the liver? Not yeah. a chance. Yeah, but they're giving them those foods from the start. And I think that's another thing as well that I think in a lot of families, they don't actually um, – have that you know they're not doing that with their self mm. they're probably eating ultra processed foods themselves so their children just model that whether there's some sort of genetic thing going on with all like adaptation that their palates adjusted to the foods like that as well because they were their p- parents were eating those foods as well while they were pregnant i don't know these are things i think about but it's like it's interesting um that mila for example or leo mm. They don't want those foods. They don't go for those foods. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Like, I agree with you, but um, I agree with you th- wondering whether the palates change, but I honestly believe if you're like the first thing you said, if the environment yeah. was different, they wouldn't have a clue. clue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, their instincts wouldn't be saying, Mum, mm. where's the ice cream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They would just eat what's in front of them because yeah. that's, that's what they're forced to do. Exactly. You know I mean? Conditioning, you know, yeah. they're sitting on – Mum or Dad's sitting on the couch eating it, they're, they're – Kids gonna anyway. We've gone a little bit off off center here, but, but that's all we like to do. That's though. That's you got to go down some rabbit holes. <laughs> so um, we're, we're talking about leaky gut. So bone broth, slow cooked meats, really good. Um, what we will say though, with those particular foods, they are high in histamine. So some people that do have histamine issues, especially like say muscle activation syndrome or um, or just maybe just a general sensitivity to histamine, whether they're, you know, they've got DAO issues, they're not making enough the enzyme DAO in the small intestine. Yeah, just touch on that a little bit deeper. Like that's yeah, you know, it's good for people to know. Yeah, so DAO is like there's two points of detoxification for histamine: histamine and methyltransferase in the liver um, through the methylation cycle, and then you have DAO in the small intestine. Now, if the small intestine is either damaged. So we talk about like leaky gut being a form of damage or some sort of um, permeability there or other d- types of damage, which could be like brush border damage or villus atrophy. Like there's lots of different damage that can take place. Um, that will inhibit DAO. The other thing that will also rob it a little bit as well is infections. So if there's infections or some sort of microbial overgrowth in the small intestine, that will do it too, but it also overburden it as well because these kind of infections can drive up mast cells and there can be a lot of a degrade, uh, degradation or degranulation, sorry, that's the word, of, of uh, mast cells where then they start to leak histamine and then your histamine bucket fills. Mm. So, um, so that's, that's, that's typically an issue. And so if you've got that, maybe you've got some sort of infection that's affecting the liver, things like Epstein-Barr's virus is really bad for that, for affecting methylation. Um, on top of that, maybe the MTHFR genetic polymorphism, all those things are going to factor in to your histamine bucket filling and your ability to maybe not tolerate things mm. like slow cooked meats and and bone broths and other kind of aged or fermented foods. So what would yeah. you do with a client, Jordan, if you, know, you really want to heal their gut lining but they're really struggling with histamine issues? Uh, the things that I go for uh, – I actually tend to go not so much like into there is obviously foods like obviously eating just a good whole food based diet and, Mm. you know, working with the foods that do well with that person at a particular time. But 
I, I go more supplement based. So I tend to use things like, um, look, you, you, you can use like, like certain amino acids. Mm. You can do that. You could get like an amino acid, like powder if, um, you know, they, they might tolerate that a little bit better than maybe upping their animal protein. Things that like when it's more in its simple form. Yeah. So it, if, it, if, if the yeah. meat's fresher, yeah. it's going to be less, there's going to be less histamine. Well, you have that, but yep. even if you do, you take like a, even a supplemental, like essential amino acids or yep. something like that, that's, that's, that the, they tend to tolerate that a lot better. Yep. Um, just because the body doesn't have to work as hard to break it down and, mm-hmm. you know, it stops putrefaction and all that sort of stuff, which and, yeah. can, can increase histamine. So, um, so, so that, that, that typically goes well, but then you got things like sodium butyrate yep. or tributyrin, which is really good. Sodium butyrate is a, a short chain fatty acid, which, um, gets broken down, uh, sorry, gets produced by, uh, butyrate producing bacteria in the gut, but you can take it in a supplement form. Um, that, that tends to be one of my staples for those guys. And, uh, yeah, like even peptides as well. Yeah. Yeah, so BPC-157 is really good, lorazotide acetate. Mm-hmm. They tend to be the ones that I use. Beautiful. So, yeah. Yep. Then, um, so, yeah, and with leaky gut, there's obviously some things that are going to be more aggravating. Now, Jordan sort of talked about it a little bit. So, for me, I always stay away from gluten, for one, because gluten has a protein in it called gliden, which is known to stimulate the, um, the gatekeeper protein that – keeps your um, epithelial cells together called zonulin. So it, if in simple terms, gluten is going to exacerbate leaky gut. Okay, it's not necessarily a cause causation, but it's going to exacerbate it. And then um, I generally stay away from um, dairy products or poor quality dairy products, especially if they've got a lot of lactose because to break down lactose, the brush borders in our gut lining have to release lactase. Now, mm. if we have any sort of bluntening of those brush borders, we're going to struggle to break down um, lactose. Oh, we're going to struggle to release lactase to break down lactose. Yep. If you got something to add? Yeah, I was just going to say, just so people don't get confused, the brush borders and the microvilli, it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah just yep. so you know the terminologies. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Have you said microvilli once? Yeah, I think I said microvilli before. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you, yeah, you said brush borders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was when, when I was learning it, when yeah. I was learning all this stuff, I was like, wait, what's the villa and microvilli, brush bo- What? Which one's which? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so just so you understand, like, it, 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 they're actually like little tentacles are like almost like on a microscopic level, like they're yep. like little hairs. Yeah. So, those hairs can get very damaged down and then those hairs actually diffuse certain enzymes. Yeah. Um, such as lactase, and they catch onto the macromolecules, which is your macronutrients. They help break that down essentially into the micronutrients, and then you absorb it. Yeah. So a lot of um, like sugar molecules you might struggle mm. with if you've got any sort of lack. Ah, sorry, brush border damage. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I, I try. And I get a lot of my clients that I know have leaky gut to stay away from gluten, to stay away from dairy. The other one that we've mentioned is. Um, Lactose, oh, sorry, lactose, lectins. Mm. Um, so I'll, they're, they're more ones that I won't necessarily say totally stay away from, but I will very much reduce them. Some people I'll say totally avoid depending on where they're at. Um, oxalates go into that sort of category as well. Yes. Um, 
just trying to think off the top of my head. They're the main ones. Obviously, the other ones is like staying away from seed oils because they're highly inflammatory um, and create a hell of a lot of oxidative stress and tissue damage. Have you got any you'd add to that? I'd say like really high histamine foods. If you've got someone with really full-on hyperpermeability, I'd stay away from really high histamine foods. Reason being is because histamine could activate zonulin as well. Yeah. So really, really high. Like if someone's really in a bad spot, I tend to just say offer really like high histamine foods. So the the aged and fermented sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So um, an age we would say that comes into that is like your sauerkrauts, your kimchi's, yeah, vinegar and like yep. yeah, yep. wine. Yeah, yeah. Um, slow-cooked meats, as we talked about, possibly like, you know, we've already talked about dairy, but aged cheeses, those aged sorts of things. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And it's yeah. it's good to mention right now, histamine isn't a bad thing. Like, no. we need histamine for a yeah. lot of different functions in the body. This is when it's become oh, – it's overburdening the body and we're not yeah. able to deal with it. The system's yeah. not in a place that it's able to deal with the histamine. So, yeah. that's a big one. So. Obviously, yeah. we've just touched on – that gives a really good outline on what we want to be looking at when we're looking at leaky gut. Like, if, if you're not dealing with histamine issues, you should be adding in your slow-cooked beets. You yep. should be adding in your, a lot of your bone broths and just even animal protein altogether. Yes. Close to the bone if you can. Um, and then we want to be staying away from possibly lectins, um, oxalates, dairy products, gluten. Gluten, glyphosate. Yeah, and yeah, glyphosate, which is sprayed on a lot of our wheat products. Then we walk, when we go into the microbiome a little bit here, now, big thing I always see, you know, generic information is saying, you know, to get good gut health, just eat more prebiotic-rich foods and eat more mm. probiotics. But that is totally dependent on the individual. If, you, if your microbiome is in really good shape, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, go for the prebiotics. That's great. That's going to help um, replenish your microbiome. It's going to feed your microbiome so they can proliferate more. But if you have an overgrowth or you've just got the wrong ratio of certain bacteria, that um, that ratio is just going to get further away because you're going to proliferate um, the microbiome into the wrong direction. Yeah. So. Sometimes what might happen with people is they're like, oh, you know, I'm eating all my sweet potato and I'm eating all my potato and I'm eating my onion and my garlic and these are great prebiotic foods, but I'm so bloated and I'm in pain and I'm constipated. Mm. And that is a really good sign that we've got some sort of microbiome uh, imbalance going on, whether that's SIBO or it's just a ratio issue. Yeah. Have you got anything you'll add on? Yeah. That? Well, even just like prebiotic, like fiber powders and stuff yeah. like that, like that, you know, are sold and it's like, it's good for your gut. Take this. And like a lot of these kind of like cookie cutter, like kind of products as well, whether it might be like, you know, there's a lot of different products out there that are like, take this for two weeks and do your cleanse or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like if you look at the ingredients of that, that could actually fucking make someone worse. They've got an overgrowth. So yeah, it's so, so it's so funny, man. I yeah. um I don't want to mention the brand, but um yeah. they're a gut health brand, and I I went to their opening of of a certain product, yeah, and they were telling me how like this certain product. I don't want to go too into detail. It has yeah. more fiber than a bowl of broccoli, and like me knowing everything oh my about God. gut health, I'm sitting there going. Oh man, like most of my clients who are, you know, thinking about their gut health, if they had that product, yeah. they would be 
fucked. <laughs> yeah, and even if they had it after an antimicrobial phase, their chance of relapse is going to be fucking massive. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah, for not, sure. Not good. Nah, not good at all. But that's the common thought process, like around yeah. you know, um, it's just eat more fiber, eat more prebiotic foods, which is could yeah. you know going to add to the problem. The other thing that comes mm. into this is um, probiotic rich foods. Now. Yeah. You know, Jordy, you've had issues with um, like candida and stuff like that. How did yeah. you go with like eating like sauerkraut? Well, you no, went with the histamine, histamine issues. Yeah, like I, I, a lot of these typical foods that are said to be yeah, good for your gut health, I actually didn't have any of them. No. For my whole gut healing journey because yeah. they didn't work for me. No. So bone broth, collagen, um, you know, even slow cooked meats, even sauerkraut, kimchi, all that. I didn't, t- I didn't have any of it. Yeah, I'm obviously a little bit more of a complicated case, so and I was dealing with muscle activation syndrome and disease. Yeah. So I, my histamine bucket was just ridiculous. Um, but I wouldn't have probably gone for the sauerkraut to the kimchi still when I'm dealing with candida overgrowth because mm. that's going to support fungal overgrowth. So and. Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting the way a lot of those things get pushed. Um, I can recognize that it could be – it's definitely going to be good for some people. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it's just a hard thing, and I suppose that's why we're in the job that we do. Yeah. Because people – of course, they want cookie-cutter approaches, but they don't re- – like, people don't realize until you learn this stuff how specific you need to be with each individual. Oh. Like, I cannot write a – I cannot put my name to something and say that it will it will it will help like a cookie cutter like program where I just yeah no worries yeah. like just have that and your gut health will get better because it's bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah. yeah, that's bullshit because yeah. you know you may buy that and you start eating slow cooked meat and you're bloody yeah. sneezing and you've yeah. got like eczema all over your skin. You're like, what's going on? Yeah, like you, you're dealing with histamine intolerance. Like you can't have that. Yeah, exactly. And you got to teach people that, like in my in my four week gut cleanse program, which is a more general program. I'm actually still teaching them how to tune into their body and mm-hmm. what works best for them. Yeah, because what a lot of people do is they join these programs or they follow this next guru or they read this next book and they're looking for the thing that's going to work for them. And it's an externalized way of going here. This is what's going to work for you, but. Mm. You've got to work it out for yourself and you've got to maybe get some guidance, some help to help you work that out a little bit. But Yeah, that's but, the big thing. Have you got someone that like, geez, I've written a million programs for people and then they've mm. come back to me and gone, hey, I'm reacting to this and I've got to alter it in two seconds. The hard mm. the hard programs are the ones where you've got no one to ask questions to. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you've bought this you know, this um, generic program and then it's like, right, oh, it's not working. Where do I go from here? Yeah. You know? And even, um, I mean, like we could go so deep into this, but like even like I've, I've heard of a lot of people, they go into a protocol mm. and then in, in an antimicrobial phase, they're getting die-off symptoms and they think it's not working yes. because, it, because it's like they haven't, been, they haven't been communicated to that they're going to have die-off symptoms and, and then they, they pull the fucking pin. Yeah, well, yeah. I actually, yeah, I've had a fair few clients come to me and say like, yeah. and I like, They'll, they'll, they would have been on a protocol and, look, it wouldn't have been a protocol that I would have done, but I don't think that would, the person was doing anything totally wrong, but they were like, yeah. I just felt like shit. I'm like, yeah, it's because you're in an antimicrobial. Like, what? Did they not tell you that you'd feel like shit? They're like, nah, I just felt like I was going backwards. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's generally the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think uh, that's why I think, you know, we have our coaching program so we can walk people through this properly so they're, they're supported, but. 
Also, so you can just alter, like yeah, so that you can change direction, and you know what I mean. Like you can pivot fast when needed. Exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. It's not it's not a one size fits all. And that's yeah. you know going back to our point is that like when you're going for um, when you're looking at the certain fruits, vegetables, and fermented foods, possibly your carbohydrate sources, it's all going to depend on the microbiome balance, the candida balance, the parasitic balance, like you know what's going on there within the gut now. Yeah. For you and, you know, for anyone, if if you're struggling with something like onion and garlic, possibly sweet potato, um, any sort of high FODMAP foods, mm. that's a pretty good sign that you've got a bacterial overgrowth within your gut. Yeah. Yeah. If you are struggling with sugar, starch, possibly, yeah, you're possibly going to be dealing with candida. Correct. Possibly parasitic infection. Yeah. Um, you got any ad there that I've missed that possibly would aggravate those? Um, no, not, not necessarily off the top of my head. Like, you know, obviously things like histamine and that sort of stuff kind of falls into all those categories yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, ox- oxalates, if you've got issues with oxalates, mm. going to be a candida issue usually because yep. c- candida uh, produces oxalic acid. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think like, because, you know, oxalates, if you look at it, like there's, there is some foods that have got oxalates that are generally going to be good for someone who's not going to have problems with yeah. oxalates, like, you know, whether it's sweet potato or even cacao or yeah. things like that, they all have nutritional value in some degree. So, you know, even if you look at white potato or sweet potato cooled, it's actually a resistant it's starch, starch, which is amazing for good bacteria to, to uh, help the beneficial keystone bacteria in your gut flourish. So, yeah, but... If, if that's not working for you, probably candida. Yeah, yeah exactly so, right. And yeah. and this is the thing, you know, like I, I speak to so many people and they're, they're trying to – they're like, oh, I'm just trying to figure out what foods are the aggravators and stuff like that. But, yeah. like, it's just so – like, it, like the knowledge is out there. It's very like – and, you know, me and Jordan are lucky enough to have this information. It's very obvious to us what's going on once I know the foods that you're, you're reacting to. And yeah. you can get a pretty good idea of it just by knowing once, – once you know what you've reacted to, then you can make a plan to fix it. And that's the thing that people don't know. Yeah. They think that they're allergic to these foods. Yeah, they think they've got a food sensitivity and they're stuck on it because maybe they've got a, a food sensitivity test or maybe they've had it, a, you know, had that food a few times and they're like, oh, I can't have it. I had one person come to me. She didn't eat a massive group of foods for mm. like six years because her naturopath said you've got a sensitivity to those things. Yeah. Rather than go after the root cause. 100%. Yeah. And the, 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 if I could tell one thing, if someone's listening to this and you're dealing with any sort of digestive symptoms, most likely, and I'm going to get up there to like 95%, it's fixable. Yeah. And we're not talking about having to, you know, possibly work on it for the rest of your life, but you can fix it so that you can interact with all these foods with no problems. Mm. Because I, because I'm stuck in this realm, I forget that people don't know that. You know what yeah, I mean? And I'll right. talk to people daily and I'm like, and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm just still figuring out the foods that I'm reacting to or, or that are aggravating my issues. I'm like, I could pretty much tell you in two seconds what it's going to be. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's you know, the information's out there. Um, you don't have to fumble around forever and you don't have to live like this forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is a classic story of like, 
you know, go on a uh, low FODMAP diet and get stuck on it for the rest of your life, which yeah. a lot of dietitians go, just do low FODMAP, see ya. Yeah. And it's like- Well, doctors are doing that now as well. Doctors do it too, yeah. Yeah. So, that instead, like, they're doing it with IBS now all the time. Yeah. Just so people know, IBS is not a disease. IBS is most likely SIBO or some other um, bacterial, fungal or- um, parasitic well, IBS is just a, a handful of symptoms categorized into a condition. It's just, it's still a symptom. It's not a condition. Yeah. Whether it's the bloating, the, the loose stools, or the constipation, or the irritability, inflammation that you're having, it's 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 a, it's a group of symptoms. Exactly right. Yeah. But what's so. what's happening now is, as most people do, is they go to their GP and their GPs. Everyone's aware of like FODMAP diet, so they're just yeah. going just go low FODMAP. You know what I mean? It's just like a blanket rule. Just go flow the FODMAP and you'll be all right. And you know what? For probably 70% of those cases, they'll feel better. Oh, yeah. But in the long term, if you stay away from FODMAP foods, from foods that are high in FODMAP, you will eventually degrade your beneficial bacteria because those foods are really good for your beneficial flora. It's about going through a period where we rebalance your microbiome and we – repair your gut lining so we can introduce those foods back in Yes, and we can feed your microbiome, um, your beneficial microbiome and create a healthy ecosystem within your gut. Yeah, but also like that, like you nailed it. But think about as well, it's not even just about that. Like it's like you're not treating something that could cause a disease down the track. That, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? That's such a good point. Like, like you, you're not, you, you're, you're literally overlooking a massive red flag that's causing this person a bunch of other symptoms that could cause, that could, could literally lead into a disease later on. We know LPS, right, which is a lot of the time with people that have, um, you know, issues with FODMAPs. They've got a, they've got a, a, uh, a gram negative bacterial overgrowth. Of some form, I mean, SIBO can be all types of different bacteria, but there's going to be some, like a lot of that's going to be ground negative bacteria. Yeah. So, LPS. I mean, look at all the research. There's enough there to, to suggest that pretty much nearly every disease is linked back to this endotoxin. Mm-hmm. So, you're literally just like, yeah, go to the diet, you'll be right. Like, you know, like I've got you're a, not going to be all right. Like, I've, if you leave that for, for long enough. I've got a funny story for you. I yeah. just literally had a call with a potential client and it yeah. was, she was in her 50s yeah. and had all her like health complications start as like a teenager, like ulcerative, yeah. they thought ulcerative colitis. She then ended up getting her gallbladder removed. She had breast cancer, had Fuck. all these different things go on in her lifestyle. Now yeah. we're at her 50s and I said to her, I said, like, I believe that there was an issue, a root cause issue from the start that you kept going after the symptom of that issue over yeah. and over and over again, over again, and that issue is still there. Mm. And, you know, you remove your organ, all good. You know what I mean? Like Infection and, just moves somewhere else. Yeah. Then, then, <laughs> then, it's like, then it's like we get breast cancer. We remove the breasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're just waiting for the next thing to manifest because we're not going after that root cause issue. Yeah. 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 Stu, Stu Gillespie talks about that, like, you know, when people have their appendix or their tonsils removed. That's me. I've had them both removed. Yeah. And then and then they start getting liver issues. Yeah. And then they start getting gut issues. Yeah. Well, it's because the infection just moves to another organ. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't get rid of it. And yeah. you've taken away two defense mechanisms. Yeah, and, th- and that as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, massive. So, for me, for someone like me, I have no appendix and no tonsils. Now, obviously- you know, I don't sit here and cry about it because we knew no better back then. But I have to be 
so dil- I've always had a te- I've always thought oh, I've got such a terrible immune system my liver enzymes are so elevated all the time like my liver's under stress all the time it's because I constantly need to work on these things because I've taken two organs out of my body it's overburdened yeah. you know what I mean so I've accepted the fact that oh, I need to work on this forever because I notice that I do a lot of work and then over time I maybe you know relax a little bit on that work and I don't hold the results where yeah. a lot of people, not that I get terrible, but I, for how I live, I should yeah. I should hold the results for longer. Yes, and I've realised that now that I know that you know I've I'm overburdening my system constantly, that I need to work on it constantly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's something that, but you know that's that's fine. Same same as me, man, with uh, Epstein Barr's virus. Mm. Like I haven't had any organs removed, but I've got this underlying infection that doesn't leave the body that I have to take care of. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, absolutely, because that. Like and I, and I see this with a lot of clients, like like pe- people that have like any of the herpes simplex viruses and these things that don't leave leave the body, is that it, it does affect the immune system and then they start to get candida overgrowth mm-hmm. and like other things. So it snowballs. So you got to be taking care of these things for sure. Yeah. Anyway, we've gone a little bit. No, it's good. It's, it's good, good to go off yeah, track, man. Yeah, we, just, we just talk and you know, know we put information <laughs> out because the good thing is, is like far yeah. out. Like we've got things coming to our brain. Let's just let it out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah I love it. Um, but I, I feel like we actually did cover most of it, unless you've got something else that comes to mind. Well, well, we, I mean, we could we could talk. We obviously went into leaky gut, the microbiome. Um, obviously we, we, we spoke about dysbiosis and the intricate balance of the microbiome and that sort of thing. Now, let's just say, um, you're someone who is asymptomatic. Yep. Your gut functions really well. What's something to maybe help support the gut ongoing or to pulse things in that are going to be good to keep yourself in a nice robust place? Because we know that we live in this lot modern world now with all different types of stresses. So at some point, if you aren't taking care of your body, mm. it's probably going to catch up to you at some point because, sure. of, you know, we've got EMF that we know disrupts the microbiome. We know it, you know, there's studies to show that with EMF uh, exposure that typically things like mold. Yeah. Like um, Klinghart did a study on that. Yep. Incredible. Like where he's, he, he actually found that mold, proliferates like i think nearly double to three times more and i wonder in, in a, an environment with emf like uh, it, it could be that we've got more information these days yeah but mold is becoming like in in our world just proliferating issues like the amount of people i'm working with that yeah. i'm like they'll talk to me about their issues and i'm like when did this start oh i moved into this home and i'm like oh, yeah. i think it's mold like and it's yeah. happening constantly and i'm just wondering yeah. either we know more information about mold or emfs uh are the responsible for the proliferation yeah yeah there has to be something that's coming into it whether it's our defense systems in our body yeah. like it's it's all the things that are being impacted from all these different stresses which you know emfs one chemicals the air that you breathe if you're living in a city i mean like it's yeah, the poor foods, you know, glyphosate and pesticides and, you know, you name it. But um, so what I want to kind of talk about is for the people that are in a pretty good spot, but they just, you know, we're being a bit more proactive here, yeah? Um, maybe we, we can cover a few things. So, like, obviously we spoke about the slow-cooked foods, the things that are good for leaky gut. Maybe we could talk about, obviously, 
maintaining a whole food-based diet. So they're yep. getting a, a wide variety of foods that are going to support the microbiome and obviously support the immune system and they're getting the, the nutrients and things like that. But you know, maybe some specific, you know, supplements or foods that they can maybe rotate in. I think yeah. most people should be supporting their gut lining. I think most people should be doing some sort of support for their for their microbiome. Yep. Have you so, got anything in mind? Yeah, I do. I'll add in just a little trick around EMF if you want to do is turn your Wi-Fi off at night and put your phones on aeroplane mode. That's just a quick thing to well, reduce. Actually true. Like maybe we talk, talk about removing the stresses. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course we could do that. Like, so if we go back, some supplements that I use is um, that I use with clients, something like zinc alcarnosine. I'll use with clients to help with the gut lining. If talked about sodium butyrate, um, yep. quercetin is really good for the intracellular tight junctions and histamine issues. Yep. These are three supplements that could um, probably help you. Um, foods that are really good um, that are pretty safeguard prebiotic is something like partially hydrolyzed guar gum. Um, is a really good one that I use with um, most clients. Um, Pretty safeguard for people with SIBO and that sort of thing because it, it, it's been shown to be quite efficacious yeah. in SIBO protocols. Yeah, yep. and then um, we've got – what else have we got there supplement-wise? Um, what about it's like maybe some organisms? I know like Bacillus subtilis is, yep. pretty, is, is a good one because it su- supports the beneficial flora. It's a spore-based organism, but it also – um, fights off infection. People yep. with histamine issues might not do so well with spore-based organisms, but um, yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. Yeah, and yeah. then if we go into just things like we talk about overall stress, so having some sort of stress management techniques in place. Now, yeah, do you have a few that you go to? Yeah, well, I think like meditation, grounding, yep. being in nature, all those things are going to be really important. We also know, like Dr. Joe Dispenza has spoken a lot about like our energetics and our um, also like certain kind of emotions or states that we find ourselves in, whether it's shame, guilt, resentment, anger, um, you know, even like, you know, frustration or overwhelm, like all these sort of things that are more lower states of emotion. He's found that the microbiome will actually, will actually tend to shift in a negative direction when you're in that state. And then also he's found that it actually changes without doing any intervention with functional medicine via just uplifting your energetic frequency through things like gratitude and love and all that sort of stuff. So that's my big one, gratitude. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get clients when I really feel like they are in a really parasympathetic state constantly. Yeah. Or sympathetic state, sorry, constantly. I And, you know, I'm struggling to get them to meditate. I'm struggling to get them to do breath work. Like they're not prioritizing. Mm. I'm like, all right. We're going to do gratitude because you're, yeah, like obviously um, running on nothing, mm. and I need you to get more uh, uh, happier, or I suppose more content with the simplistic. So mm. we're not constantly chasing, yeah. yeah? And what we, what I, I find it like to be uh, just a massive intervention with such a small thing that we need to do. Oh, huge, yeah. So, and then you've got all the other little hidden stresses, like yeah, you said EMF. There's obviously tap water and then there's you know filtering your water and all that sort of stuff i think is a big one and you know going low like low tox with your with your life like getting away from all the chemicals and things that you expose yourself to switching to natural everything all that stuff's important um so yeah 
I don't, yeah. I don't know if there's much more, but there's, there's probably some other compounds and things. I, I love colostrum. Yeah, colostrum's sure. another one. Really good for the for the immunoglobulins. Yeah, really mucosa. good for the mucosa. And then you've got Saccharomyces boulardii. That's another good one for similar things. And yeah. so yeah, there's there's lots of good things. But I think the one thing that we will do because we'll wrap this up is, um, you know, work like the key is to work out what is best for you. Yeah. And where you're currently at based off your gut health status, your current health status. Um, and some of you might just do well with a pretty general approach, but yep. some of you might need to go a little bit more deeper and a little bit more tailored. And that's it. And if you're, if you are struggling, um, like there's a lot of really good practitioners out there, reach out and, yep. um, and work with someone. It'll, it'll change your life. Absolutely. It's the best thing we've ever done. Beautiful, guys. I hope you got heaps out of that. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I'm sure you'll walk away with some great tips. Thanks for Geordie getting through this. Yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel good. <laughs> I feel back. good. He's I'm back. back. I need this. Oh, beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope this opened your mind to new possibilities in your journey. If you want to follow on for more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Life Athlete Health and at Coach Jordan Briggs. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you next time.